Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The cross is a stumbling block because it says you can't work your way into favor with God. It is foolishness to the philosophers, the intellectuals, the thinkers, because it says you can't reason your way into favor with God. You see, what the cross says is this. The only thing one can do to gain God's favor is to believe, to put your personal trust in his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, in a message titled, The Cross and the Power of God. Now, here's Pastor Brian. A couple of things before we come to our conclusion. What did Paul mean? Because he says here that he resolved to not know anything among them except Christ and him crucified. That was Paul's resolve. So what did he mean by that? Well, he did not mean that he would not talk about anything except the cross. So for Paul, the cross was the center of it was the core of everything else. Paul's not saying that he's, not, he's only going to, his message is just, you know, this one sentence, Christ crucified, Christ crucified. What he's actually saying is that although Christ crucified is scandalous to the Jews and madness to the Greeks, that he himself would never dismiss, downplay, or in any way seek to obscure the fact that Christ was crucified. So for Paul, the cross was front and center, even though it was scandalous to the Jews. Now, listen, I've preached a long time, and I've been in places where I have been tempted in my own mind at times to hold back on things. Man, if you say that right now, you're going to lose everybody. If you say that right now, you're going to offend everybody. I remember preaching on the streets of New York City the week after 9-11, And there were literally hundreds of people on the streets. And we were there gathered in Union Square. And I mean, it was just a surreal situation. And I remember standing there and speaking to this crowd. And as I'm speaking to the crowd about Jesus, the devil is shouting in my ear, don't say that. Don't talk about that cross. Don't talk about that. You're going to lose everybody if you do that. That's a real thing. The devil knows that the cross is where the power is. That's why he doesn't want it to be preached. And those temptations are with us today. And some people just say, well, you know, this message is too harsh. It's it's too offensive. A song uh, that was written by the Gettys, a song that we have sung quite often, there's there's a lyric in there that talks about... um, you know, this idea of Christ dying for our sins, paying the penalty and, you know, bearing in in himself the judgment that was due to our sins. And many churches refuse to sing that verse in the song. And they even 
wrote to the author, Keith Getty. Keith told me this personally. They wrote to him requesting, because they wanted to take the song and they wanted to put it in their church hymnal. They wrote to him requesting that they could still put the song in even though they were going to omit that particular sentence because it was, it was offensive. Because it made it sound like we're really sinners and, you know, we should have died on a cross. And Keith said, well, I'm sorry. That is the song. It's not only the way I wrote it. It's what I believe the Bible says. So no, you cannot use my song if you're going to use it that way. But the point is, the offense of the cross remains. So what Paul is saying is that he's never going to do that. He's never going to dismiss it. He's never going to downplay it. He's never going to obscure the message. What Paul says when he says that he determined or resolved to know nothing among them except Christ crucified, he meant that the cross would be central, the central point of his gospel. And that is the biblical picture, of course. And that's what Paul is saying here to the Corinthians. Now, as I said, this this pressure or temptation to dismiss or minimize the significance of the cross is still with us today. So there, there are people today that are very happy for you to believe in Jesus, the Jesus who is a, just a good moral teacher. There is a Jesus that fits into the culture. He's a good moral teacher. He's a spiritually enlightened person. He might even be in the category of a miracle worker. He might even be a prophet. That Jesus is not offensive and you can get a following. You can get people to buy in and to listen in to a message about this Jesus. But the cross is never a part of this Jesus's experience. And for those who proclaim this kind of a Jesus, in their view, The cross is either a tragic mishap or a moral atrocity. Now, really quickly, I want to give you an example. So atonement means to cover sin. And in the Old Testament, we have the day of atonement. This was the day when the sacrifice was made and, and the sins of the nation were covered, the nation of Israel. Now, we come into the New Testament, and Jesus becomes the one who his blood atones for our sins. His blood covers our sins. So there are, in in the theological world, there are theories of atonement. There are different ideas of what atonement means, in other words. Now, I think the Bible clearly teaches that the core idea behind atonement is this idea that the blood of Jesus covers our sin. But there are those who opt for and emphasize other theories. So I'll give you just really quickly three other theories. There is the martyr theory about Christ's death. So these are perspectives on the death of Christ. The martyr theory, Christ's death was similar in kind to that of any other noble man who has given up his life as a sacrifice for a principle and for truth or cause. So when when a person who embraces the, the martyr theory thinks about the cross, they think of, well, this 
you know, the cross was, was tragic, but Jesus so believed in his mission, he was a martyr for the mission. He was a martyr for the cause. And so he then becomes an, an inspiration to us to be devoted to the cause, to the point that we would even give up our lives. Then there is the moral example theory. Christ's death has an influence upon mankind for moral improvement. The example of his suffering ought to soften human hearts and to help people reform and to better their condition. So again, this is the lens through which some people see the atonement. Well, Jesus set for us a good example. He was selfless. He gave up himself. And so we should all be selfless. We should all give of ourselves. We should give up our rights for others and so forth. And then thirdly, there is the love of God theory. Christ died to show people how much God loved them and to reveal a God of love. So on the cross to the, the love of God theory, people of the atonement, the, the love of God people is, is like, look at the cross. This just shows us how much God loved us. Now, there is some truth to that, obviously, right? But here's the problem. All of these views leave out one essential element, and that is that atonement is Christ's death being first and foremost to save us from sin and judgment. See, that's called penal substitutionary atonement. So there's a penalty. And because we could not pay the penalty, a substitute, Jesus, paid the penalty that we owed. He paid the debt that we owed. That is missing from all of these theories. And... This is the offensive thing. This is the offense of the cross that Paul talks about in writing to the Galatians, for example. But the cross tells us that we are lawless, guilty rebels who deserve to be banished forever from God's presence. That's what the cross is saying. That's why it's so offensive. But the cross is saying something else simultaneously. This is the interesting thing about the cross. It tells us that because Jesus is dying the death that we should die. It tells us that, but it also tells us, it also tells us that God loved us so deeply, even in our lost and rebellious state, that he sent his son to rescue us by paying the penalty for our crimes. So the cross is a message of our guilt and culpability and condemnation, but it's a message of God's love and grace and mercy all at the same time. Now, the stumbling block of the cross for the, the religious, for the moralist, for the philanthropist, the cross is a stumbling block because it says you can't work your way into favor with God. It is foolishness to the philosophers, the intellectuals, the thinkers, because it says you can't reason your way into favor with God. You see, what the cross says is this. The only thing one can do to gain God's favor is to believe, to put your personal trust 
in his one and only son, Jesus Christ. That's the message of the cross. So it, it says, sorry, there, there's nothing you can do to remedy your situation. There's no reformation that can reform you to the extent that is needed. You have to have a new birth. You have to have a new life. You have to have your sins forgiven, and that happens through the cross. Now, Paul says that he kept the cross front and center for this reason. Look at the very last verse here, verse 5. He says, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Now, the question among Bible commentators and theologians is, what is Paul talking about? Because he's talking about he came in the demonstration of the spirit and power. What, What is he referring to there? What is this power that he's talking about? Now, Paul... As he's, he's connecting, like I said in the beginning, he's connecting these two things. He says that when you preach the cross, the power of God is there. He says when you neglect the cross, when you hold it in contempt or you avoid it, he said then you empty the message of its power. So what is the power that he's talking about? Some say that, well, this is Paul's talking about when he preached and you know he went to the different places that miraculous things were taking place. Maybe there's something to that. But I think the real, the real thing that Paul is talking about here is the, the dynamic power of the Spirit that comes and awakens us out of our death and trespasses and sins. See, that's what the message of the cross does. When the message of the cross is, is delivered, whether it's humanly eloquent or not, is not the point because the power is in the message itself. It's like a seed goes into the ground and the seed itself contains the power of life. So the gospel is in a sense, it's like the seed of the life of God. And as that life of God goes forth, it brings us to life. And so the power that Paul is really describing here is the power that all the Corinthians knew firsthand, but evidently forgot. And what did they know firsthand? They knew that God had changed their lives. In the sixth chapter, he goes through this this whole list of behaviors that will not inherit the kingdom. Talks about sexual sin, talks about idolatry, talks about theft and embezzlement and and greed and murder and all of this stuff. And you know what he says? He says, and such were some of you, but you have been sanctified. You've been changed. How did they change the power of God? See, that's, that's the power that he's talking about. It's the power to regenerate. It's the power to make us alive. It's the power that comes and brings us to the consciousness of our sin. Now, I don't know about you, but for myself, I remember not being a Christian, and I remember how dead I was to anything that had to do with God. And I remember how dead I was to 
any seriousness about the sinful life I was living. It was just what you did, right? But suddenly there came this moment where the gospel came with power and I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was a sinner. I knew that I was separated from God. I suddenly became alive to those realities. That was the power of God. That's what the gospel does. It brings us to that place of awakeness out of this state of deadness and showing us that we are hopeless and helpless to change our condition apart from God himself in Christ. And so Paul, he doesn't want the Corinthians to forget this because this is the root of everything. And now they're, they're sort of, in a sense, they're sort of trading this away for this external look good kind of stuff that, that has no power. The message of Jesus Christ and him crucified and him raised from the dead is the most powerful message in the universe. It has the power to raise you from the dead and to give you eternal life. It's so amazing. It's such an amazing thing. And you know, sometimes as a preacher, sometimes I have found myself at times preaching and thinking in my own mind how simple this is. Gosh, oh Lord, how is this ever going to do anything? You know, it's just like, and, and you know, sometimes even when you're preaching it, you're like the kind of passion and everything that should be there because you're preaching the greatest message in the world for whatever reason, that's not really with you at the moment. And, and in your mind, you're just thinking, how, how is this going to do anything? But then what happens is somebody comes up and says, hey, can I tell you this story? You were preaching this one time and you said this and I knew I needed Christ and I gave him my life. And then they go on to tell you about who they were and what they were doing and how radically God has transformed them. And you're looking at them like, well, you sure look transformed. <laughs> and, and you're like, wow, how does that happen? Happens through the power of God. The power of God. I don't know how many of you ever had the opportunity to hear Billy Graham preach. But I remember hearing Billy preach on a number of occasions. Not in person, but I would watch his sermons and things. And I remember the thing that always just struck me so deeply about Billy was, on the one hand, the utter simplicity of his message, and on the other hand, the power of his message. And I'll never forget, I think it was back in the 80s or maybe it was the early 90s or something, but th there was this moment, and you know, Billy's quite old at this time, and uh, this is one of the last crusades he did, and it was, it was the one where because they used the internet, it was like the great, the largest audience in, in his entire preaching ministry. And here's a guy who preached to a million people live, not on the internet, but they were there. 
But, but I remember there was all this buildup to this, this event. People were praying and, you know, this is going to be the greatest evangelistic effort in all of history. And, and I remember all of this. And I, I remember just waiting for that day, like, man, this is going to come. And I'm, boy, I want to hear what he says. And I'll never forget listening to that message. And at the, as I'm listening to it, I'm thinking, this is the simplest thing I have ever heard. And not only was it simple, but on this particular occasion, Billy was somewhat older, on this particular occasion, he was kind of stumbling through some things. And, you know, he gave an illustration, he told a story, and he got it wrong, and he kind of had to backtrack and say, wait, no, it didn't happen like that, it happened like this, you know. And I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, this is amazing. This is like preaching to more people than anybody's ever preached to in history. And this message is so simple. But you know, that tens of thousands of people's lives were transformed that day. Not because of his eloquence, although at times he could be very eloquent. Not because of his great persuasive powers, because like I said, at this stage in his life, those things were kind of absent. But those lives were changed because he stuck to the cross. He knew that's where the power was. And I'm sure that there are thousands of people in the world today who from that day forward, their lives have never been the same because of that message, because of the power in that message. And my friends, let's never lose that understanding. It's not human wisdom. It's not eloquence. These... God's ways are different than man's ways. And God's power is not dependent on your power. And God's wisdom is not dependent on your wisdom or my wisdom. It is independent of us. And sometimes we can get hung up on, I can get hung up on, oh gosh, I don't know. I didn't really say that. Oh, I wish I would. I can't tell you how many regrets I've had after preaching, thinking, oh, if I only would have said this, if I should have said it this way, oh, why didn't I say it like that? And, you know, sometimes you finally you just go, okay, forget it. Never mind, Lord. <laughs> it's really not up to me anyway. It's up to you. So do we want to be eloquent and persuasive? Yes, as much as we can. But we recognize in the end that that's not really, that's not the thing. God's word, his gospel is independent power. It's God's power. And so that's why Paul is not going to move away at all from the message of the cross. And that's why we can never move away from the message of the cross. The simple message that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever will put their trust in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And now let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. Hi, Pastor Brian here. One of my favorite subjects is that of apologetics. 
And it's so important to know what we believe and to also know why we believe what we believe. So I want to recommend a fantastic book, a book by Paul E. Little that is called Know Why You Believe. And this book's been around for quite a few years And he does just a real great job in simply laying out arguments for why we believe in God, why we believe Jesus rose from the dead, why we believe the Bible is the Word of God. And I think that this is something that every Christian ought to educate themselves in. So I want to recommend Paul E. Little's book, Know Why You Believe. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Know Why You Believe by Paul E. Little. You can order the book Know Why You Believe by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Know Why You Believe by Paul E. Little. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of 1 Corinthians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.